if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi and today we will perform the February 2023 regulatory update for medical devices. Okay, are you aware that the EU Commission is proposing to extend the EUMDR from May 26, 2024 until December 31st, 2027 for class 2B and class 3 and until December 31st, 2028 for class 2B other than the one previously mentioned and for class 2A. So if you are not aware, then you are aware. But you have to follow certain conditions to be able to do that. So um, the first condition is that the device should comply to the regulations, so MDD, AIMDD. The second is that there is no significant changes that apply to your device, that there is no unacceptable risks, that your company has a quality management system that follows the uh, Article 10.9 of the EUMDR prior to the uh, 26th of May 2024, that also and this is maybe the most difficult, an application has been lodged with the notified body prior to the 26th of May 2024. But maybe you are also in the condition where your certificate already expired. So what then? You are safe if at the moment of the certificate when it was still valid, you had already signed an agreement with a notified body. But if you had not signed any agreement with a notified body, then you can still have the option to go to your competent authority who should take you under their wings following article 97 and you have more information about that within the mdcg 2022-18 we already talked about that so i hope this summarizes very well uh, what is happening regarding this uh, extension of proposal so now now that we know about it uh, what is the next step so the next step is normally to be that the, we vote for this proposal. So actually, this proposal has passed the Council of the European Union and it should arrive to the Parliament soon. But when? Nobody knows. I mean, nobody. Maybe they know, but I don't know. So, uh, but for sure, look at the next episode of the podcast and you will know more about this situation. And if you have some questions, don't hesitate, ask me and I will try to answer to them. So there was an interesting analysis that was performed by the EU Commission. So um, they have created a, a report, a document about MDR codes. So this good document is showing to you um, how which MDR codes are being to uh, are really important, if I can say, in this um, this cohort of MDR codes. For example, on this analysis for MDR, we learned that five codes are covered by around one third of the notified bodies. Those five codes under MDR are in majority. Uh, active implantable devices. Only one of them is, is devices manufactured for with um, tissue or cells of human origin. So um, what can we conclude about that? We can conclude that if you, your product is an active device, 
then you have a lot of chance to have a notified body there. For uh, IVDR, only one code is covered by five notified bodies, uh, which is huge because we have only eight notified bodies. And this code is for in vitro diagnostic devices which require knowledge regarding mycology. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> So I will let you read it because there are a lot of other spider maps and other statistics so maybe it will be interesting for you. But what is important maybe is to say that if you are with an active device, medical device, or if you are with an IVD requiring knowledge regarding mycology, then you can find easily a notified body as the majority are covering these kind of products. And it's also important to remember that all notified bodies cannot cover all products. So go on the Nando database to find out before to try to contact them. So this will avoid you mainly to spend a lot of time to find notified body, try to contact them and they will tell you, no, we cannot do that for you because we are not qualified for it. So use the Nando database for that. Okay, there is a new interesting uh, NDCG guidance, which is the 2023-2, which is about standard fees that notified bodies should normally present to the public so that they can be transparent. So um, I don't know if you looked at it, but I looked at this guidance and there is a big table or a one and a half table that has presented with huge uh, information about the, all the division of all the fees that should be presented by the notified bodies. I mean, I thought that the notified body will just say, okay here is my fee and it's fine but yeah there are so many lines that uh, are different one for sscp one for clinical evaluation one for qms review one for i mean we have redivided a lot so i'm sure this will make a manufacturer uh, frightening after reading this kind of thing um, i tried to go to some website of notified bodies to see if they have applied that and they have not all applied it i mean all none of the other one that i've seen have applied it and there are also another level of information that is also mentioned inside this um, ndcg guidance which is about flat fees hourly fees daily fees which makes things a bit more complicated because yeah hourly fee will not tell me more about how much will it cost me to hire this notified body but the idea is mainly to compare notified bodies to notified bodies so if everybody follows the same table the same rules then we can make a comparison and then yeah decide which one is best for us and this can help for putting some competition also in terms of prices with some notified bodies uh, but yeah we have also the situation where um, there are not a lot of notified bodies available so at a certain point the price should be maybe staying secondary uh, because your priority is to continue to sell and to have a c certificate so find a notified body that is available that has the resource and that can put uh, your products on the market on time is mainly the main priority the price should be secondary uh, at that moment but um, I'm curious also from manufacturers that are in contact with notified body, do you have a clear figure of what you are paying for when you are having this certificate? And I'm really interested to hear about that, so don't hesitate to go on the show notes to, uh, to tell me more. Delegated directive, who accepts lead as thermal stabilizer? The ROHS is restricting the use of certain hazardous substances in electrical and electronic equipment, but uh, there is a delegated directive that wants to put an exception exemption on the lead in polyvinyl chloride, so which is PVC, that is used uh, as a base material in sensor used in in vitro diagnostic medical devices. The main reason for that is the fact that the technology there is not a big progress of the technology uh, to find a substitute to the lead uh, on the sensor cards that are used on those IVD machines. So apparently. 
what is said on this delegated act uh, is if there is a rejection of this exemption, there will be considerable impact on health service providers using equipment that are already on the market. So my question to you, health of the population by removing the lead in PVC or health of the population by keeping it to use healthcare tool. So this is the subject of your thesis and you have one hour. So waiting for your copies as uh, soon as I'm finishing all this. So, so if you are in this situation where you will find, uh, you need to find a solution I mean, no worry apparently because yeah, the EU is trying to already find a solution by putting in place this exemption. Who of what? You remember we had an episode with Eric Volbrecht on in-house devices made by health institutions. So now we have this MDCG guidance 2023-1, which is about again an exemption, but this time of an exemption of the health institution, which should be exempted to follow the EUMDR and IVDR for manufacturing of these in-house devices. So apparently when you read it, there is just one thing that they are not exempted of is mainly the requirements to uh, follow the GSPR, but all the rest is gone. So if you have, for example, a protocol that is explaining how to manufacture an in-house devices and is shared between health institutions, this is not considered as a device. If you have patient specimens that are uh, also not considered as a, as, a, as a device. So then what are type of devices that are falling under the definition of an in-house device? If you read this MDCG guidance, they talk about the PCR master mix and they talk also about the health institution that develops in-house a medical device software that is used on site by healthcare professionals. So meaning <laughs> it's uh, they, they manufacture a medical device. So it's many that. So apparently it's like at Las Vegas. So what happened within a health institution stays within the health institution. So and nobody should hear about it. So, so it's really uh, great. So if you are um, health institutions, then read the MDCG guidance 2023-1 uh, because uh, it is really providing some interesting information for you on how you should follow the, the new rules for UMDR and IVDR. And if you are a real manufacturer of such devices, then you may want to create some in-house devices that are CE marked so the health institution can avoid the struggle of complying to the GSPR only. So save them from that. Do you know about the Clinical Evaluation Consultation Procedure or CECP? So this is mainly the expert panel. So it has been in place to assess the clinical evaluation for class 2B active devices that are introducing or removing medicinal products and for class 3 and implantables. So the process is as follows. The notified bodies that are auditing your company are submitting uh, a request to the CECP for the review of those products that are class 2B or class 3 or implantables. And the CECP then decides if yes or no, a review is necessary. This process already started from April, April 2021 and the review is until June 2022. So these results that we will show you are from this uh, period. So the result is that the CECP was applied 24 times out of 2015 notification from notified bodies. 21 of those 24 were only on class 3 implantable devices and three were on class to be uh, devices. 
other numbers, out of those 250 notifications, there were 191 devices that were exempted and the reason was that they were already marketed by the same manufacturer for the same intended purpose under MDD or AIMDD. So advice, if you are transitioning from MDD to AIM or AIMDD to MDR for products already marketed and with no change of the intended purpose, then the change for you, I mean the chance for you to avoid the CECP is really high. Other numbers that may be interesting for you, out of all those 24 uh, assessments that were done, only six opinions were provided. And from those six opinions, the notified bodies apparently followed all of them because the notified body can also justify to not follow them. But apparently they followed all of them. So at the end of the document on the MDCG 2023-1, you can see also a list of all the applications that were done uh, so that you maybe learn a bit from it because this is also the interest for you to find some a competitor or somebody that makes the same product as you and see how their products was assessed by the CECP. Okay, let's now pass to a serious subject, which is your education. We have this month the Green Belt Certification Program for EU MDR 2017-745. And I am making a lot of updates to it. As you can see, maybe within those monthly reviews, there are a lot of changes. So don't hesitate to join us by registering on the website school.easymedicaldevice.com slash course slash GB24. Why 24? Because it's the 24th edition that I'm running of this uh, course. How is it working? So first you register and the week prior to the training you will receive the secret instructions on how to get in. So be part of this secret <laughs> club. So during five days we will have five topics that will be covered. On day one we'll cover the general overview with the timeline, significant changes etc. On day two we'll cover the economic operators, so manufacturers, importers, distributors, system and procedure provider, PRRC, uh, for that. Day three will cover the qualification, classification and conformity or assessment of a medical device with notified bodies also. Day four will go through a big day with technical information, technical file, quality management system, clinical evaluation, post-marketing surveillance, clinical investigation, PMS. Wow, it's huge. Uh, day five will go through UDAMED and UDI. So don't miss that and register uh, with us now so that we can um, provide you, uh, I mean, I can provide you uh, this uh, course uh, and you can also learn from it and then you will pass the exam and if you get it then you get a good diploma with your name on it saying that you have passed this, uh, this certification program. You remember in few years, a few months, if I can say, we had a consultation for in the UK for uh, their uh, medical device regulation. So the UK has issued uh, this consultation and the government, UK government, did an answer to it. And there are three key areas to look at. So first area is the patient outcomes and safety. Mainly the government wants to build more patient engagement, wants to enhance more the reporting of safety risks, and then want to put in the center of their system the safety of the patient which is really great. Then second uh, access that they want or second key aspect that they want to look at is the international leadership and engagement. So MHRA should be a world leading regulator. They were already under EU. 
I'm sure they will become <laughs> out of EU. Um, they should also uh, be the pioneer. The UK should also be the pioneer in the emerging technologies like cyber security, like AI, like ML, etc. So they are trying also to do that. They were on the document. I find it that they were talking also about maybe being part of MDSAP. So if you remember, MDSAP is the Medical Device Single Audit Program. Actually, there is the US, Canada, Brazil, Australia, and Japan inside, so five. Maybe the next one will be the UK, but it will be great. Uh, next, there is uh, the access of the investment in regulatory capacity. As we know that we are only four notified uh, approved bodies actually in the UK. So the objective will be to increase this number. Uh, we have also increased the number of the, the people that will be uh, have the regulatory expertise in the UK. And the last axis that they want to look at is unlocking innovation and emerging technologies. So providing more uh, innovative uh, products in, in the UK, which is really great. So I hope they will be doing that. Um, so this is just a summary of this document or the responses. Um, please go to the show notes and look at that. What I would maybe have liked to see also more is about talking about the transition between the UKCA, uh, how they should be done, more principle about um, is the product that are already on the market, can they benefit from a transition period after the 20, uh, the 30th of uh, June, uh, the 31st of 30th of June or 31st, 30th of June, maybe uh, 2024. Uh, so the 1st of July, they will be uh, then following the UKCA. So these maybe are also important information that everybody is looking for. So I hope they will answer to that. Okay, we have approved bodies. You know what it is? These are like notified bodies, but for the UK. So the MHRA made an announcement, which was for me a bit confusing, but then I understood it. So um, I saw that they said the MHRA will increase the UK assessment capacity for IVD, in vitro diagnostic. So I thought they were saying that we'll have more approved body because we said that we have only four actually. Uh, but then after digging on their announcement, we saw, okay, no, I find out that they were just increasing the capacity of one notified body, which is UL, to review more IVD type of products. So if you are an IVD company, if you want them to get a UKCA in the UK, then you have to go through an approved body and this approved body apparently should be UL because they have more capacity in terms of type of product that they can review. So choose UL. Okay, Swissmedic issued an FAQ, which is frequently asked question. And it looks like they reserved a lot of time questions about when to register my device or to notify about my device should i notify about my device etc so here are some examples should a class one device from a third country outside of the eu eea be notified to swiss medic what do you think the answer is no so no other question should notify should you notify a class one device from the eu so you are in the eu at class one should you notify the swiss if you are going to switzerland the answer is no uh, should you notify swiss swiss medic for a system and procedure pack the answer is no <laughs> so no worry these are many the only answers that are no all the rest is a lot of uh, discussion about other topics. There was also some interesting topics to read there is about, for example, um, who has access to Udamed. Um, strange that this question is asked to Swissmedic because Swissmedic is not part of Udamed anymore uh, since Swiss, Swiss exit. Uh, but 
as they are creating Swiss Damed, uh, maybe the question will have been when Swiss Damed will be available. When is it planned to have? When do we plan to have Swiss Damed? Maybe it will have been more important for them. Uh, Udamed. Okay, so let's stop on those questions because many uh, you can look at that on the show notes. Um, don't hesitate to go. There are more questions. I, I didn't tease everything, so you can go there. And by the way, um, if you are trying to register your device in the Swiss market, don't hesitate also to contact us at Easy Medical Device because we are also Swiss authorized representatives. So contact us at Swiss at EasyMedicalDevice.com. Now, notified bodies. Who is the new notified bodies under UMDR? It is <laughs> it is SLG Proof and Certificierung. So it is the 37th notified body. Congratulations to them. I mean, we need more. So great that to have a new notified body for MDR. So we have now seven, 37 notified bodies under UMDR and eight notified bodies under IVDR. Okay, so let's hope for more. We, we need more. So let's, let's expect more for next, uh, next uh, month. So artificial intelligence is a trend. We talk a lot about that with also ChatGPT. I don't know if you heard about this thing. So, um, so this is a, a, a thing that is really coming with many fields and medicine is not out of that and Saudi Arabia just issued a guidance on how to register uh, uh, an AI artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, products or medical device within Saudi Arabia and then I looked at this document and to be honest it's really great the content of the document is like what are the classification criteria what are the intended use the clinical evaluation information the risk management the quality management system the change notification to be performed i mean when is ndcg providing a document like that i don't know because i don't i haven't seen that i tried to look if they, maybe i missed it but i didn't find a, one that is uh, talking about that there is in europe this ai act that is also ongoing so there are a lot of things about AI, but for me, to be honest, look at this document if you maybe want to register your device also in Europe. This can help you to know exactly how to do that in a good way. So leading voices, have you heard about it? So I really want to thank Illumino.co on nominated, nominating me on the leading voices, the 25 leading voices of the MedTech. Uh, so really happy for this recognition, really thank you for that. But I'm not alone, there are a lot of other names um, that, uh, that were mentioned, like Basil Accra, like uh, Richard Julian, like uh, Angelina Hakim uh, from Tunic, like Omar Khatib. Uh, there is also uh, Michel Lott, that was mentioned there was Mitch Robbins uh, from the Anthony Michael group uh, Karen Deep Badwal uh, also and uh, John Bergsteinson so uh, and many others so there are yeah a lot of other names so sorry if I forgot your name and uh, you can see that most of the names that I mentioned were part of my podcast so great so here the podcast is the place to be so if you want to be famous come to my podcast and get interviewed by me so but more seriously really thank you very much for all that um, really appreciated and I will try also to have uh, Sean Smith from Illumino.co uh, on the podcast so to discuss also the way that people can increase their visibility within the, the medtech industry also because you need to increase your visibility so that people can maybe see that uh, you are valuable for their uh, company industry so don't hesitate also to go to the link on the show notes uh, to see all the other leading voices and follow them also follow those people on LinkedIn because mainly they will provide you great content also for uh, the medtech industry 
Okay, podcasting. So what happened in January? Episode 214 with Omar Khatib. So we talked about the relationship between QAra and marketing. And this was really a great episode to look at as I am sure you have some similar conflicts with certain departments within your company. So look at this episode to learn how you may overcome that maybe with some of the strategies that were discussed with Omar. Episode 215, we discussed with Eric Volbrecht about the proposal for the extension of the EUMDR. So if you are still not understanding everything, we tried to make it clear in this episode, but I can tell you that there are parts that are not clear at all. So don't expect to get all the answers there, but we'll also raise some great questions there. Episode 216 with uh, Navin uh, Agarval, we talked about how to evaluate the benefit-risk ratio within your risk management. So Navin is providing also some trainings on risk management, so don't hesitate to follow him. He has really uh, also a YouTube channel with a lot of information on risk management, so check, check Navin. And the last episode, which is episode 217 with Rob Packard, this episode was really interesting as we talked about post-marketing surveillance in the US and we made also a comparison to how this works in EU. We also talked about electronic solutions to gather post-marketing data, which may help you. So don't hesitate to listen to the podcast and look at the show notes for the details of the, this because Rob provided a lot, of, uh, a lot of links, plus also the lecturing solution like uh, it was Basil system that was provided that was discussed during the during the podcast okay it was a pleasure for me to provide you with this regulatory update don't hesitate to contact easy medical device at info info at easymedicaldevice.com info at easymedicaldevice.com if you need any support for your QA area projects or if you look for an authorized representative in the EU and in Switzerland really looking forward to work with you so thanks again for listening to this episode don't hesitate to share it with your colleagues don't hesitate to subscribe also to the YouTube channel because it's also helping a a lot uh, to spread uh, the, the voice within the other uh, people that are looking for those information. So really thank you and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.